When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may be disturbing to some listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. On April 27, 2016, Dana Bosch said goodbye to her 27-year-old son, Dane. Dane had just spent some time with Dana while he detoxed off of opiates. He was heading back to his home on the Sunshine Coast of British Columbia to pack up his belongings and prepare to start a new life. A sober life. Dana looked at her son one last time and felt the urge to take a photo, but she knew how rough he felt in that moment. There will be better days ahead, happier days. Days where we can take lots of photos, she thought. Just over a week later, on Mother's Day, Dana did not receive a phone call from her son. She knew immediately that something was wrong. This is the disappearance of Dane Stanway. And this is True North True Crime. and welcome to episode 16 of True North True Crime. Thank you for tuning in and for your continued support. And as some of you know, we have started a Buy Me a Coffee fund for those that want to donate to the podcast. This week's coffees were donated by Emily, as well as Sally, who found us through the Unresolved podcast. And this week we've uh, had an anonymous donor. So thank you, Emily and Sally and anonymous whoever you are. If you would like to donate to our podcast, you can do so at buymeacoffee slash tntcpod. And if you want to stay connected to the podcast, you can do so on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at tntcpod. So tonight's episode is an interesting one. The more we looked into it, the more we wanted to cover it. We will be talking about the disappearance of Dane Stanway, who went missing on the Sunshine Coast of British Columbia in 2016. Yeah, this one kind of hit a soft spot for me personally because of my own connection with addiction. Yeah, you actually celebrated a pretty big milestone this month. 
Yes, that's right. On January 6th, I celebrated 19 years sober, which is what really drew me to this story. Yeah, and I just want to take a moment to say to our listeners that there is help out there and things can change. I know the pandemic and the general state of the world are creating a lot of pain for people. And it's clear from what we see on the news that issues with mental health and substance misuse are on the rise. And a lot of families are being affected by this. Now, I by no means have all the answers, but if you or someone you love is being affected by substance use, behavioral addictions, or mental health issues, I hope you're able to reach out and find the help you need. The one thing I do know is that we can't do it alone, and that there are a lot of people out there with experience who want to help. There's no perfect time or perfect set of circumstances to seek help either. Um, There's an old expression that the longest journey starts with the first step, and maybe today is that day for you. The reason we wanted to cover Dane's story is because he is a person who was dealing with addiction issues, a lifestyle associated with crime, and his own personal trauma. In a lot of ways, this makes him an unsympathetic character for the mainstream news. Yeah, we've all heard the news stories that state, quote, the person was known to police, or, quote, known to have a lifestyle associated with criminality. And we know how damaging of a characterization that can be. It can result in a person's disappearance not being taken seriously or outright ignored. Ultimately, no one is perfect, and Dane is the victim in this story. He's a son, a brother, and a friend, and his mother deserves answers. In November of 2020, his mom, Dana Bosch, delivered a plea for answers on local British Columbia news networks. This is what drew us to Dane's story. We put this episode together using publicly available news articles, and we also spoke to Dana Bosch, Dane's mother, in order to tell this story as factually and respectfully as possible. We also need to mention that we spoke directly with the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team at the RCMP in order to clarify certain aspects of this case. Based on the information we have obtained, we have made a decision to not use any names of anyone in Dane's life other than his mother. There are also times during this episode when we will have to be purposefully vague with our details. We're hoping to use this episode as a tool to keep Dane's name out there in the conversation. We're not trying to solve a crime. We're not qualified to do so. We're just a couple of people with a microphone in a studio made out of pillows. So let's get into this episode. This story takes place in an area of British Columbia known as the Sunshine Coast. The coast is kind of an interesting area. It is located on the southwestern part of the mainland of British Columbia. The Sunshine Coast is about 8,600 square kilometers of landmass that includes coastline, mountains, and islands. The area is actually not really accessible by roads, so most people come by ferry or by plane. Inside of the Sunshine Coast are the towns of Gibsons, Powell River, Seashelt, and Roberts Creek. The Sunshine Coast is a very beautiful place, and it's popular with people who want a more outdoors or eco-friendly lifestyle but still want to be connected and close to Vancouver or Vancouver Island. The population of the coast is about 50,000 people spread out over those four towns we mentioned and many smaller communities. The history of the area is in forestry and fishing and, and that kind of thing. The Sunshine Coast sits on the traditional territories of the Squamish, Seashelt, and Salaman and Clayhouse First Nations. So let's talk about Dane Stanway. Dane was born to his mother Dana and his biological father on August 25, 1988 in Seashelt. Dana, his mom, is from Pender Harbor. 
Dana lost her dad, Dan Bosch, when she was just 20 years old. There is a park named after him near Ruby Lake called Dan Bosch Park. Yeah, they're kind of a multi-generational family in the Sunshine Coast. Dana says she probably wouldn't have gotten married that young, but she was pretty traumatized by her father's death. She had children a lot younger than she would have liked to. Dane was the second of two kids. He has a sister who is 16 months older than Dane, and he also has a younger sister who Dana had in a different relationship. We asked Dana what Dane was like as a kid. She said, he was adorable, honest to God. His first two nicknames at a year, year and a half, were Tank and Hurricane Dane. He, he just had so much energy. He was also sweet and adorable and loving. He was cuddly. He was just amazing. When Dana would go to moms and tots groups, she remembers Dane climbing all over the furniture, and while the other moms were concerned, Dana always knew that Dane was fine. As a toddler and as a kid, he always had bruises or bumps from his adventures. Even at family trips to the beach, Dane as a child would just run straight into the water without a moment's hesitation. I was like that too. Dana and her husband split up when Dane was two years old. The kids lived with Dana for a few years, and then they went to live with the biological father when Dana had to move to Vancouver. Yeah, Dane had some problems in school and in elementary school. Teachers wanted to medicate him for ADHD, uh, or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. He was the kind of kid who just couldn't sit still. Dane played ice hockey from 5 to 15 years old. This was really good for him as it gave him structure. Dana states, Most kids you have to drag out of bed at 5 a.m., but when it came to hockey, Dane was up and dressed. However, when Dane reached high school, he ended up in some alternative programs as he had a lot of issues focusing. Even in adulthood, his handwriting was kind of messy and he had issues with spelling. School was just not for him. Eventually, Dane quit school in grade 9 or 10. Yeah, Dane had actually started smoking pot at around 12 years old, which made him feel normal. So these are actually early signs of self-medicating. At this time, Dana was in Vancouver. She had another daughter when Dane was 10, and she still maintained a connection to her kids. They came to visit her, but at that age, she said they just wanted to be with their friends. Dana says that Dane has always had a great relationship with his younger sister. So we have Dane as a kid. He's pretty rambunctious. He clearly has early indicators of ADHD, and research suggests that normal classroom structures are not advantageous for kids like that. And keep in mind, this is the 90s and early 2000s. The amount of assistance programs were sorely lacking then, especially in smaller communities. Kids with learning challenges were often just treated with discipline rather than more compassionate approaches. So after dropping out of high school, Dane started to dabble in crime. Some of it was for profit, and some was just plain stupid. It was around grade 9 or 10 that Dane started to get into business by growing his own cannabis. At one point, local RCMP took him out to his plants and made him watch as they cut them down. This is not corroborated by RCMP, but I trust Dana's recollection on this story. He also got into trouble with the local RCMP for apparently stealing a car and possibly blowing it up. (laughs) Yeah. So Dane was never charged with any crimes as a youth nor was he in any teen or youth diversion programs that are often catchments for at-risk youth. So in his late teens, after voluntarily leaving high school, he started to work in construction and installing garage doors. Eventually, Dane made friends with someone who was heavily into the gym and steroids. It was then that Dane, too, started taking steroids and being around that energy of looking buff, chasing after bling, and kind of, you know, into the gang life. 
He also spent some time in the oil rigs of northern Alberta, but when the temperatures hit minus 40, he reconsidered. Smart guy. In this time of his life, Dane moved around a bunch, and Dana recalls Christmas Eve 2007 as the last time all three of her kids were photographed together. By age 20, Dane met a guy on the rigs, and they decided to start heavily investing in grow ops together. They weren't really organized gang guys or gang-affiliated, as much as they were just some guys looking to make some money and get ahead financially. But this kind of lifestyle moves fast for people. And eventually, according to Dana, Dane started moving heavier drugs. This allowed him to expand his business financially, and along with that came a lot of risk. As a result of this, he would move around the Sunshine Coast quite a bit. Yeah, it's rumored that the RCMP left them alone for trafficking because it kept bigger, meaner gangs out. But of course, this is just a rumor. Eventually, Dane started moving heroin, and then, sadly, started using it. He tried it with a friend. The friend did not become addicted, but Dane did. Here's a quote from Dana about Dane's heroin use. He started using heroin in 2009 or 2010, and he hated it. Oh God, he hated himself and hated heroin, but he couldn't stop. He still went to the gym and he still had money. I had begun to see behaviors that showed when he was on drugs. He even nodded off in a restaurant once in front of me and he explained it away, claiming he had taken Sudafed. But I just tried to ignore it because I'm a mom. Until the court case when his defense lawyer tried to use his addiction as an excuse. Yeah, so it sounds like Dana was clearly um, struggling with confronting Dane about his heroin use, which is very common for families to have to go through that. So again, she had seen the signs, but it wasn't until Dane's lawyer used his heroin use as a defense in a court case that it was finally very clear to her that, yes, he was using heroin. We need to talk about this court case. We found this article from the Coast Reporter, a Sunshine Coast newspaper. This was released in August of 2011. A pair of Seashelt men have been arrested and are facing various charges in connection to their alleged involvement in a home invasion last week in Roberts Creek. On August 6th, Sunshine Coast RCMP arrested a 20-year-old man and on August 9th arrested 22-year-old Dane Thomas Stanway. Both men have been charged with break-and-enter, assault with a weapon, assault causing bodily harm and possession of a weapon, a baseball bat, bear spray, and an imitation firearm for a dangerous purpose. Three charges each. Stanway has been remanded in custody while the second suspect was released on a promise to appear. A witness reported seeing two to three men armed with a rifle and bear spray threaten the occupants of a residence before departing in an older model sedan, said Corporal Steve Chube. Police attended the scene and soon discovered the two men had forced their way into the residence and assaulted the victim with a baseball bat before pepper spraying him and threatening him with a rifle. The victim's girlfriend was also at the residence. The victim is well known to police. Dane was convicted for this crime and sentenced to nine months in prison. Yeah, I talked to Dana about this, and this was somebody else who was also in the drug trade, and there was sort of a a deal gone wrong or a bit of a ripoff situation that was happening, and Dane reacted to it. And he did, I mean, nine months in Canada is a pretty substantial sentence. So Dane got out of prison in August or September of 2013. He sought treatment for his addictions a few times after prison but he struggled with the counselors and the clients in those centers. Yeah, Dana says that he's intuitive and polite, but he doesn't suffer fools well, so. 
So it's clear that after prison, Dane got back into the drug trade and also continued to use. But he also was trying to get off of drugs by checking himself in and out of treatment centers. It's like part of him wanted to change and live a different way of life, but the other part of him was trapped in the criminal lifestyle and addiction. This ambivalence is normal when people are deciding to change. However, Dane's story is obviously very heightened as it involves criminality and violence. In the spring of 2014, Dane called Dana and asked if she wanted to get a house together. He really wanted to get clean and start a new life. He said, quote, I need your help. So he moved in with her in Kelowna with the goal of opening a supplement business. Dana watched at home as Dane detoxed from opioids. She did her best to help him detox. She would watch movies with him and massage his feet, anything to help with the pain. I would just be there for him. He tried. He tried really hard, but it's near impossible to detox from heroin. She believed he stayed clean from heroin at that time, but that he was still struggling with pills. I was always there for him, and he always asked for my help, which I loved. So let's just stop for a second here to talk about detoxing off of opiates. For our listeners that don't know, this is one of the most physically and psychologically painful things you can go through. On the street, it's called being dope sick. And it's horrendous, especially knowing that you can make all of that pain stop immediately just by using again. According to AmericanAddictionCenters.org, heroin withdrawal will not be the same for everyone. The longer someone uses heroin, how it was abused, and how much was taken each time will all be factors in how dependent the brain and body are to the substance. Therefore, the severity and duration of withdrawal will differ as well. Heroin is an opiate drug that suppresses some of the functions of the central nervous system, like heart rate, blood pressure, respiration, and temperature regulation. It also binds to opioid receptors, increasing chemicals in the brain that are responsible for feelings of pleasure. When heroin is abused, a rush of pleasure also occurs. During withdrawal, the effects are the opposite of the intoxicating effects. For example, instead of euphoria, reduced heart rate, and sedation, the individual may experience low mood, anxiety, and rapid heart rate, among other symptoms. Now, that's a pretty clinical explanation. So I found this article on the Kaiser Health News uh, called What Dope Sick Really Feels Like. A writer from Arizona who became addicted to opioid medication prescribed for back pain described withdrawal like this. If you've ever had the flu, it's like that, but times 100. She went through the sickness every month for five days until she could refill her prescription for Oxycontin. Other people described the sickness as if ants were crawling under their skin or acid was being injected into their bones. Eventually, while Dane was living with Dana in the town of Kelowna, the local RCMP gang squad showed up at Dana's door to let Dane know they knew he was in town. In 2015, Dane got his own place in nearby Penticton, and he decided he wasn't going to move back to the Sunshine Coast. It's believed that Dane pretty quickly got back into the drug game, if he ever really got out of it. In 2015, he then moved back to Kelowna and was showing signs of opioid use like missing family dinners, because he was sleeping, and those other telltale signs of addiction. During this time, Dane lost about four or five friends to overdoses. They, they died from overdoses. And one of those was actually a really close friend of his, and Dane took this death pretty hard. Dana tried to organize a family intervention for Dane, but was met with resistance from other family members as they didn't want to make Dane angry. 
Dane did eventually find out about the intervention, and he did get mad at Dana, but eventually forgave her. He said, Mom, that wouldn't have worked. And Dana said, well, this is how worried I am. I'm afraid you're going to die every day of an overdose. In late 2015, Dane moved back to the Sunshine Coast. Then in February 2016, he sought treatment for opiate use at a treatment center on Bowen Island. He did not stay in treatment. But in March of 2016, he discovered iboga. I actually didn't know what iboga was, so I looked it up. Um, Iboga or ibogaine. Um, or again, we're going to be talking about a plant-based medicine that people use for addiction, like when we spoke about ayahuasca in episode 13. So according to AmericanAddictionCenter.org, ibogaine or iboga is a psychoactive drug that induces hallucinogenic effects like those associated with LSD or psilocybin. While the drug can lead to some short-term side effects, including anxiety after experiencing hallucinations, It has been touted for a few years as a potential solution to addiction problems. The addiction model of disease describes the condition as chronic due to the long-term changes to the reward centers of the brain. When a person takes ibogaine, the drug is converted into a compound which targets the areas of the brain affected by drug-seeking and addictive behaviors. It rewires these areas, allowing the brain to restructure itself to a state similar to before addiction was triggered. While ibogaine can, for many, ease withdrawal and prevent cravings, that process is more like detox than ending an addiction. There are still steps to be taken after a person no longer physically needs or seeks out substances to abuse. Medical professionals who have used ibogaine to treat people recovering from methamphetamine addiction report a 50-80% to success rate. However, long-term recovery and relapse avoidance depend largely on entering a rehabilitation program after taking iboga with a doctor's supervision. Yeah, so it sounds like it's supposed to be used to help people to detox in those initial phases, but it's not going to cure addiction. So in March of 2016, Dane was experimenting without medical supervision with iboga as a tool to get himself off of opiates. Dana knew the risks with iboga, so she suggested that Dane come and stay with her. At least if he used iboga, he could detox and heal at Dana's home. Yeah, Dana knows a lot about plant medicine and she's pretty in tune to alternate medicines. Um, So she knew exactly that the anxiety and everything would hit him after he used it and he needed a safe place to sort of come down from it. And of course she wanted to be there and, you know, be able to keep an eye on her son. Yeah, but sadly, as time went on, he started to become vague and distant in his text messages and phone calls with her. Then he called Dana and said, I fucked up. It really worked. It was amazing. It took the pain and cravings away. But I went home and I used. He tried iboga again, but this time afterwards, he did go to Dana's place in Kelowna to detox. But sadly, he relapsed on opiates again. Let's get into the circumstances around Dane's disappearance after a quick break. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And we are back. So we're now getting into the time frame of when Dane would go missing. At the end of April 2016, Dane was in Kelowna with Dana, trying to get free from his addiction to opiates. He did his best to detox in her home. He would sit and just watch movies with his youngest sister. At times, Dane would just be starving, but of course, he couldn't eat due to the nausea associated with withdrawal. It was then that Dane told Dana that he was selling his business. He was negotiating with a couple of different people, but he turned down one of the offers because he was lowballed on the price. Dana said to Dane, Dane, Never mind the money. If you get out with your life, you're lucky. The business we're talking about here that Dane was trying to sell was his drug business, his business of selling illegal drugs, not the supplement business he had hoped to open. He never opened that. So for those who are not criminally minded out there listening to this, when you sell your drug business, you're selling your contact list as well for your clients, as well as your supply chain contacts. And then you try to create a value for that, and then you sell it to another entrepreneur who wants to take over that business. I asked Dana how she was feeling around this time, and she said, good, we realized we had something that worked for him for detoxing. Iboga would be his first step. I said, you know you can't go back to the Sunshine Coast. You, you can't go back home. You can't go back to your old life. It's time, Dane. So Dane was going to go home and pack everything into storage and move to either Vancouver or Kelowna. He wasn't sure where, but he was going to do it. He had made a decision to get help. He was going to do the plant medicine one more time, and then come and stay in detox with Dana. He was now very conscious of what he needed to do. He confided in Dana that the iboga had shown him visions of trauma from his childhood that he wanted to work through. One day, as they sat and had coffee, he told her about his visions, then made sure to tell Dana that the trauma he suffered in childhood was not due to her. So then Dane went back home to Gibson's. Before he left, Dana recalls, I just wanted to take a picture of him so bad, but I knew he was hurting. And I just thought, nope, I won't take one now because he's going to be healthy soon and we'll have good pictures. So he left on April 27th, 2016. And on May 1st, he messaged Dana. He said he had just visited her brother and that he was really happy. Dana felt good about things. Dane was happy. He was packing. He had a plan. She said she didn't bother calling him after that because she knew that Dane would contact her on Mother's Day, which was May 8th. But Mother's Day came and went, and Dana did not hear from him. His youngest sister said she had sent him a text reminding him not to forget Mother's Day, but she also did not hear back from Dane. This was unusual because he always texted back. On Monday, May 11th, 2016, Dana called Dane and left a message asking him where he was and if he was okay. She did not hear back from him. Dana would call around to a few of Dane's friends, but they also had not heard from him. So again, we're going to get into territory here where we have to be purposefully vague. This is an ongoing investigation involving the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team for the RCMP. So we really apologize for the vagueness, but here we go. She then spoke to someone who stated, yeah, the movers came and they took everything. They also took the keys to his pickup truck. 
and they took the safe off the wall and everything. So it's important to note here that Dane owned a Mercedes and a black Chevy Silverado pickup truck. The same person who told Dana movers had come also said that Dane was in Vancouver with his car and that the movers took Dane's pickup. Dana asked what kind of moving van. This same person stated that there was no name or markings on the moving van. Now I could be totally wrong here, but I've never heard of a moving company that will drive somebody's truck or take a car yeah. with them. And but also I could be wrong. Show up in an unmarked moving van. Yeah, no, sketchy as heck. By May 12th, Dana reported Dane missing to the Seashelt RCMP, a decision she regrets. She wished there was a way she could have reported him missing to Vancouver Police Department, but because of his place of residence, she had to go through the RCMP. She feels that based on Dane's reputation, that the Seashelt RCMP did not take Dane's case seriously. According to Dana, RCMP told her that their intel suggested that Dane was in treatment, which he wasn't, and she knew that. When we spoke to Dana about this um, conversation that she had with the RCMP, she said, no, he isn't. I would know if he was in fucking treatment. Yeah, she doesn't know how seriously Dane's disappearance was treated by RCMP. She has no idea if the RCMP even checked his house during that first week he was missing. So just to recap, Dane went back to the town of Gibsons after visiting Dana in Kelowna. He was going to sell his drug business, pack up his life, move in with Dana, and get clean. But after returning to Gibsons, he went missing with one person claiming a random moving truck with no markings showed up and moved his stuff seemingly to nowhere. So, of course, at first Dana held out hope that maybe Dane had gotten into some trouble and was just laying low. But two to three months later, RCMP found Dane's black Silverado in Maple Ridge, which is a suburb of Vancouver. So Gibson's is in Sunshine Coast, which is a ferry ride away from Vancouver. So this truck needed to board a ferry and drive, you know, two hours to get to Maple Ridge. The only reason the truck was called in was because someone was trying to get some trees trimmed, but the truck had been sitting there for months, so that person called it in. Then a month or so later, RCMP found Dane's Mercedes in Langley, which is another, you know... It's even further than yeah. Maple Ridge, yeah. It's 30 minutes away from Maple Ridge across another bridge. So the Mercedes had its wires pulled so that the GPS tracking was not possible. In November of 2016, Dana got a call from the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team, which is known as IHIT. And just to clarify for people who don't know how Canada works, um, most major cities or larger towns have their own municipal police forces. But those that don't have it, like a smaller town, they tend to be in the RCMP jurisdiction. Now, small RCMP detachments can't really handle murder cases, so there's the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team which will handle murders. It's a branch of the RCMP that is specialized in murders. Yeah, a bit more resources. Mm -hmm. So here's a quote from Dana about her conversation with IHIT. So IHIT calls me on November 26, 2016, and they say they now have the case and they believe Dane has met with foul play and is to be deceased. And I was just like, what the fuck? You guys are idiots. And then I find out they've had the case since September, but Seashelt RCMP had told me in September that they still had the case and that Dane was still a missing person file. She said that the only reason that I hit had called her was because the next day they were going to be featuring Dane on the news. 
Yeah, I really wish I could say that this is the first time I've heard the family of a loved one who has gone missing or murdered be disappointed in the communication that they have had with RCMP. Or even other police, like, uh, you know, Marshall Awasa's family is mm-hmm. still dealing with it. When we covered Marshall Awasa's story um, or in the summertime, they're dealing with Lethbridge Police Service, and they're, they still don't have any answers. Mm-hmm. So the following is also a quote from Dana. At first, I believed he was hiding. I truly believed that something went sideways and he was just hiding. So I spoke to his lawyer because I was trying to figure out how to get access to his money because eventually he's going to need that money. We asked Dana what shifted and led IHIT to take on the file. And she said this, They can't tell me anything. If they had just told me something, I would have believed he was dead at that point. But no, I believed for one whole year that he was alive. So they call me one day to tell me he's going to be on the news the next day as a missing person, believed to be foul play. So then all of these condolences start coming in, and I was like, fuck off, he's not dead. He's not dead until I say he's dead. Yeah, so clearly this is what grief and trauma looks like. You know, these, you know, there, there's no information being given to Dana, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're like, oh, we believe to be foul play and he's dead. And then it hits social media and she, this grieving mother has not had a chance to even come to terms with the reality of the situation. And, you know, RIP Dane is showing up in her Facebook feed and social media feeds, right? So she's very warranted to have this emotional reaction. We asked Dana if the RCMP let her know about anything at that time, any evidence whatsoever. Her response, nope. So I hit would provide a media release that was published in the following CBC article. Police on British Columbia's Sunshine Coast say they suspect foul play in the case of a missing person, Dane Stanway. Stanway, a 27-year-old Gibsons resident, was reported missing on May 12, 2016. Police say he had not been seen or heard from since the first week of May. The investigation into Mr. Stanway's disappearance has revealed that it is likely Mr. Stanway met with foul play and may be deceased. Mr. Stanway was leading a lifestyle associated to criminal activity and was known to police. However, the reasons surrounding his disappearance remain unclear, and anyone who has any information is asked to contact IHIT. The article goes on to say, Stanway has a lengthy criminal record and was previously found guilty of assault causing bodily harm, uttering threats to cause death or bodily harm, and breach of probation. IHIT investigators have been working with the Sunshine Coast RCMP to collect evidence and speak with witnesses. Investigators believe Stanway was on the Sunshine Coast around the time he went missing. There is no description of what he may have been wearing. So we're going to go over some events and some things that Dana has uncovered over the years. As we stated at the start of the episode, we did reach out to IHIT in order to verify these accounts. IHIT told us that due to the ongoing nature of the investigation into Dane's possible murder, that they could neither confirm nor deny anything at this time. So this has left Dana with no real answers, but a lot of circumstantial evidence. So let's go through what Dana has learned. So like we said, apparently a moving truck showed up for Dane's things. The movers also allegedly took his black Silverado and some people claimed Dane was in Vancouver with his Mercedes. However, both his pickup truck and the Mercedes were dumped in rural areas in the Lower Mainland. Another interesting occurrence was that within a month of Dane's disappearance, some of the people he associated with in Gibson's moved 
Also, within a short period of time after Dane went missing, friends of Dane began to see his stuff for sale on Facebook. Tables, chairs, his couch, a painting. So according to Dana, RCMP told her that no, the stuff wasn't Dane's, but then, according to Dana, RCMP did confirm that some of the items were in fact Dane's. However, when we asked the RCMP about these items, they told us that they could neither confirm nor deny this information. There is also another strange piece of this puzzle that came in the form of another investigation that was uncovered in a Vancouver Sun article published in November of 2016. This article was researched by the Vancouver Sun reporter Kim Bolin. In this article, Kim Bolin discloses that a high-profile criminal had his parole revoked due to being a person of interest in the May 2016 disappearance of a low-level drug dealer. Again, we have redacted the names here and will refer to the high-profile criminal as the man. But here is some of the article. The Correctional Service of Canada won't give any information on parole suspensions, and often there is no new charge laid, which would show up on the public record. But now, the man has had a new parole board hearing on October 27th. This reporter was able to get a copy of that ruling. It calls the man a person of interest in a drug dealer's disappearance in May of 2016. Though details are still sketchy and no names of those allegedly involved are provided. However, the man's parole was revoked after Correctional Services of Canada officials were made aware of the investigation into the missing dealer. Now here are some quotes to the man from the parole hearing and some general notes from this parole board hearing. Yeah, so this is the uh, Corrections uh, Service Canada officer talking to this person in the hearing. Quote, On the same day your full parole was granted, police advised CSC that you were a person of interest in the suspicious disappearance of a low-level drug dealer in May of 2016. Corrections Service Canada said it's not clear what, if any, role the man had in the May disappearance. The missing drug dealer is not named in the ruling. The RCMP could not provide details of his identity, but officials said the man admitted to having contact with a friend who, quote, was closely associated to the missing person. Here's another quote to him in the hearing. Quote, you admitted that you traveled to visit your friend in May, which is the same month the alleged victim disappeared. The documents say the man was photographed at a U-Haul rental outlet with the friend and the now-missing drug dealer. Officials said the new allegation bears some similarity to the circumstances resulting in the man's first federal sentence. He was convicted in 2001 for his part in kidnapping and robbing a drug dealer whom his accomplice tortured, shot, and killed. Yeah, so let's just summarize here because this may be a little confusing. Basically, a well-known criminal offender was spotted at a U-Haul facility with a now-missing drug dealer. And this disappearance matches the M.O. of a crime he previously committed. As a result, his parole was revoked. So is Dane, the missing low-level drug dealer, being spoken about in this article? Well, according to Stats Canada, there were a total of 86 homicides in B.C. in 2016. This is a province of about 6 million people. So that makes homicides exceedingly rare. That would mean, unscientifically, there are about seven official homicides in a month in 2016. So if we narrow that number down to the region of the Sunshine Coast, the specific month of May, 
and the fact that Dane was a low-level drug dealer, it's quite possible the article is referring to Dane Stanway. However, Dane's possible murder is not officially counted as a homicide as no body has been found and no charges have been laid. We asked the RCMP about this article. Again, they could not confirm or deny any connection between the subject of the article and Dane. So that's all we know. Uh, that's all Dana was able to share with us, all we were able to find out from the RCMP, and all we were able to uncover on our own. We asked Dana to walk us through some of her opinions on some basic theories that come up when a loved one goes missing. Now, some of these might seem superfluous as Dane's case is deemed foul play, but let's walk through them anyway. We first asked if it was possible that Dane would have attempted to die by suicide. Dana had this to say, no, no suicide. He was excited. He's going to change his life. His mom is going to help. He's leaving the job. He was going to change his life. And there is no body. Yeah, we also don't think this theory is plausible. Um, we next asked Dana about an accident, perhaps like an overdose. Dana stated, accidental overdose is a theory that I have heard. Now, with this theory, some bad actors would have had to have gone to great lengths to cover up what was just an accident. Accidental overdoses are not a crime in British Columbia. They are, in most cases, not even a wrongful death uh, civil suit, so this theory doesn't seem plausible. We asked Dana if perhaps Dane would have went missing on his own on purpose, and she stated this. I thought he was hiding. I thought, I'm giving you a year, so I gave him a year. I had no reason to believe he was dead for that first year until Mother's Day 2017 hit, and then it hit me, and I was overwhelmed with grief. We asked if there has been any banking activity or social media activity, and Dana said, no, cops were on that right away. One of his accounts emptied, and then the payments for his car stopped on that account. So basically, his account was set up to have these payments go through on his car automatically, and it drained his account. And then, of course, once it was drained, those car payments were unable to be paid. And this, of course, was before the car was found. So again, no, we don't believe that Dana's hiding. This, to us, is a clear case of foul play. So with regards to foul play, Dana states that when iHit takes a case, they have some kind of evidence that it is a murder. Dana has heard all kinds of rumors over the years. She has heard that Dane died in a shootout. She has heard that he was purposefully injected with a lethal dose of heroin. She has heard he was disposed of. She's heard that he was dismembered. She has also been told that it happened in Gibson's, but then she's also been told that it happened in Vancouver. Names have obviously been floated, and the rumor mill on the Sunshine Coast has churned. But again, RCMP would neither confirm nor deny anything. Dana's instincts tell her that Dane was murdered on May 6th into May 7th in 2016. Dana held a celebration of life in Dane's honor in August of 2016. She explained her process around that decision to us. Mother's Day the following year, I decided to go to a crystal bowl meditation. At the end, the woman did a reading. I have a lot of friends whom are psychics and mediums, and everyone has read for me. But that whole year, half of them said he was alive and half of them said he was dead. I've heard he was burned. I've heard he was underwater. I've heard he was up on the mountain. I don't believe we will ever find his body. I'm pretty sure of that. The remains will not show up. Even though some say they will, some say nope, no, never, and that they did horrible things to him. So I asked her, when will I hear from my son? Because at that point, I was still waiting to hear from him. She said he was in a healing space and that his light was all around me. 
and that he loves me very much. She handed me a piece of paper. I went home and read it, and it said, He has risen, and he is no longer of this earth. And I just went into full-blown grief. It had been a year, and I had given him a year. I had a celebration of life on his birthday on August 25th, 2017 in Seashelt. Dane's friends all helped pay for it. In November of 2020, we caught a clip of Dana on the news in an I Hit media plea. We asked her about that. They approached me this summer and asked me to do a media plea. I wasn't able to do it in the summer, so I was able to do it in November. It's like being traumatized all over again. The whole thing was supposed to be recorded and all over social media. I practiced it over and over again. I was worried about what part of my statement the media might focus in on. And then the media cut it up and didn't portray what I wanted to say. I put so much effort and time and emotion and anxiety into it. Yeah, it bothered us that her full plea was not aired on the news, so Dana offered to record one for us. We don't usually do multiple audios in our podcast, but we want to play Dana's plea for you now. My name is Dana. I am the mama of Dane Stanway. Four years, six months, and ten days since Mother's Day 2016, when I did not hear from my son. I knew something was wrong. Twelve days earlier, he had spent four days with his sister and I, resting away from his life. He left with a plan to change his life completely, to move away from the Sunshine Coast, to get and stay clean. Dane had experienced a plant medicine detox that helped greatly. Unfortunately, he went home to his old life. This time, was going to be, he was going to be prepared fully for a new start. Dane called me on May 1st, the last conversation I would ever have with my boy. He was happy and excited to do it right this time. After many years of battling addiction, he was ready to be the true version of himself, to free himself of shame, remorse, and the constant control of addiction. He wanted to make me proud. That chance was taken from him. This is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Stand here and plea, telling the world I don't know where my son is. Dane has been missing and presumed to have met with foul play and be deceased. But how do we know and will we ever? I have no body, no conviction, and none of his belongings. Living with this situation is devastating for me my family, and Dane's friends. It is a daily challenge affecting our energy, ability to focus, and get through everyday life. It is a very surreal situation, one I would pray no one has to endure. Dane was the sweetest boy, a thoughtful and kind son, loving, supportive brother. He was a true friend. He is missed, so very missed by many. It has been painful and heartbreaking to witness his little sister's life be turned upside down and devastated by his disappearance. Heartbreaking to watch her live with the unknown and the hope he may still be alive. We are in pain, lost, confused. These feelings and emotions will never go away until we know where Dane is and that those responsible for taking his life from us are in prison and paying for their atrocious actions. Closure is a need and necessity for us as humans to be able to move forward, to let go, and to accept a reality, a reality no one wants to experience. I want my son back. To those people out there who have information that could bring closure to us, I say to you, we all have a choice in this life. Every choice has an effect on you and the life of others. 
I do forgive those involved as I understand addiction, mental health, and trauma. I understand that hurt people hurt people. Wounded, traumatized people without the skills or support to find their way back to a path of healing and love do horrible things. I know you're out there and that you know what happened to Dane. You heard or saw something. I know you know where my son's body is. You have information and I know you're scared. You're a human being with a heart and I trust your heart knows what is right to give the information that can set Dane's family and friends free from this nightmare. We have not forgotten. We have not let this go. And we will never let this go. I know I am far from alone on this path of experiencing a traumatic loss. So many from overdose, suicide, and murder of a loved one. I send prayers and healing to all those families and the souls that have crossed over. I want to thank you for listening and giving me this opportunity. Today I stand for my son. Dane Stanway. So um, I hope after listening to that, everybody can understand why we chose this case and why we wanted to cover Dane's story. And of course, we asked Dana uh, what our listeners could do to help. And she said this, I just want to be able to help people so they can go to my website. I will be offering courses to help people deal with grief and loss. You have to be able to do something about this. I lost my dad, I lost my daughter's dad, and I lost Dane, the three men I've ever loved. So I have dealt with grief and loss. I've done a ton of personal growth and healing. That's what I do. I am conscious to try to be happy because fuck, it's hard to be happy in this world when trauma keeps landing on your doorstep. Another hope of mine is to expose people to the healing property of plant medicine for opioid addiction and depression. Doctors prescribe the shit out of Dane, and I just believe that there are other things out there that people can be using. If people want to follow me on Instagram, I've been quiet lately because I've been dealing with all of this, but I plan on being out there more because this is what I do now. The thing is that no one deals with grief. We aren't taught. Our parents suck at it. And Dane had dealt with six or seven deaths due to overdoses and other things. His close friend's death hit him very hard. And that was the November before he went missing. Yeah, it's hard to um, listen to Dana's statement and not feel that grief and loss. Um, but she is like such a force uh, of a person who has gone through so much healing. Um, and, you know, when we asked what our listeners could do, they she was just like, well, if I can help them, send them my way. Um, so you can follow Dana on Instagram uh, at at Dana underscore high frequency healing. And that's D-A-N-A, Dana underscore high frequency healing. Yeah, and I just loved getting a chance to talk to her um, mm-hmm. because she, uh, she she's a very spiritual person. Yeah, and of course, I really want to thank her for sending us that audio clip. Um, I know that it was, I mean, it was hard to listen to. I mean, it's it's so different actually hearing a family member's pain um, in their voice. And I just want to thank her for taking the time to record something. I know it's I know it's re-traumatizing and I know it's painful to talk about. So please know that we are grateful to have spoken to you. Yeah, and we want to thank you for the opportunity to tell Dane's story. Mm-hmm. This really is a story of a grieving mother and a family that's seeking answers. 
We would also like to thank Sergeant Frank Jang at IHIT for taking the time to speak with us about Dane's case. We know that someone out there knows something, but they are just afraid for their own safety to talk. We hope that one day the truth comes out. Dane was not a perfect person. He lived a lifestyle many would object to, and he had a history of criminal acts. But he struggled with addiction and coming to terms with his own trauma. He was trying to turn his life around, but was not given that opportunity. He was only 27 years old, and he had his whole life ahead of him to change and positively affect the world. Anyone with information about the disappearance of Dane Stanway is asked to contact the IHIT information line at 1-877-551-IHIT. Should you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Crime Stoppers by phone at 1-800-222-TIPS. That's 1-800-222-8477. Thank you everyone for listening. Please follow us on our socials. And if you feel so inclined, please donate to the podcast at buymeacoffee slash Pod. And as always, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, or hit the follow button on Spotify. It helps with our visibility. Our producers on the podcast are Amy's Book Review, Alberta Bly, Giraffe 3000, and Cindy McDee. You can become producers too by choosing the $5 a month membership option on Buy Me a Coffee slash TNTC Pod. We appreciate all of our listeners and we'll have a new episode for you in two weeks. So until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, folks. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.